Welcome to One Chapel. We're a family of neighborhood churches in the Austin area. Our vision is to help people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. It's a place to connect, grow, and serve the communities where we live. You can learn more about One Chapel and how to get involved at onechapel.com. And now, you know, here's this is, week's message. relaxed and laid back and kind of chill. Are you all feeling relaxed and chill? <laughs> Some people are like, no, man. No, it's the worst summer ever. Uh, well, I hope you get the chance to relax and chill a little bit. But um, we're going to be doing something over the course of the summer. We're just going to be kind of rotating around, and so you're going to get to hear from some of the other pastors and speakers. So um, I'm going to be in Austin a little bit, and you're going to ha- hear from Pastor Russ. Uh, you're going to hear from Pastor Ross and some other opportunities. And it's going to be really kind of cool. I think you'll really enjoy it. It'll be really good for us. Um, and kind of emphasize the fact that we've got brothers and sisters kind of all around the region, and it's going to be really good. We're just one family. Uh, but today, you have the distinct privilege of being able to hear from our new campus pastor for Liberty Hill, Andrew Fortner. So Andrew is here today, and it's, and, and it's a great message, and I'm so glad you get to hear him. And I'm so thankful for Andrew. I'm thankful for what God is doing in his life. He's a great man, a great friend. He's been around One Chapel for a long time, and this dude has been serving in the shadows for a long time. He's been serving in places where nobody knew his name or nobody knew what he was doing, and very few people said thank you. And he's been faithful and continued, and I really believe in the call that God has on his life, and I'm so thankful that God has called him to lead our fourth campus at Liberty Hill. So he's got an incredible family. So everybody, would you please make him feel really, really welcome and give a big One Chapel Kyle welcome to Pastor Andrew Fortner. Nineteen seventy-six. A little music festival begins right here in Austin. And decades later, it has become one of the biggest music festivals in the world. You know it. It's Austin City Limits. One week for one week a year, it attracts thousands and thousands of people to Zilker Park to turn out to see some of the top musical acts in the world. Now, I want you to imagine that you're at ACL and you've been waiting all year because your favorite artist is going to be there. You're so excited. You're, you've gone out there. You're among the crowds, except there's one problem. You can't see because you're too short. <laughs> or at least everybody else is just way too tall. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss you've waited this whole time to see. So you basically have three choices. Number one, you can just walk away and leave and be disappointed. Number two, you can just kind of huddle down there in the crowd where you're at, and you're still going to miss it and be disappointed. Or number three, you look over and you see a tree nearby. And you think, if I can make it to the tree, I can climb up and I'll have the best seat in the house. However, there's only one problem with that is it's going to take a lot of guts to do that because you're going to look like a fool climbing up in a tree, okay? And to top it off, you're pretty well known and you know once you go up that tree, people are going to know who you are. You've got your reputation to think about. You've got your business to think about. So what do you do? Well, the man in the story that we're going to read about today from the Bible had this exact same issue. He went to a crowd and there was someone there that he wanted to see. 
the only way to, to see this person was to climb up in a tree. Now, fortunately, he made the choice to do it. And his adventurous tree climb wound him up at a table. Actually, not just any table, but his own table back at his house, sitting right across from the very person that he had gone to see. And that person happened to be the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now, you know this guy very well, mainly because he is the subject of the most popular children's church song of all time. It's Zacchaeus. You know how the song goes. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree to see what he could see. And then I kind of forget the next part. And Jesus said, Zacchaeus, you come down, for I'm going to your house today. You know the story very well. Now, if that seemed weird to you that all those people knew that story, don't worry about it. No big deal. You're not missing out very much because we're going to read about Zacchaeus right here. This is the book of Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Verse 5, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. Now could you guys close your eyes and bow your hearts with me? And I'd just like to pray for us as we start today. Lord, thank you for this story. We thank you for this. And, and I believe that there's some very specific things that you would like for us to learn from this story of Zacchaeus. And Lord, I just pray right now that you would open our hearts, open our minds, open our spirits to what you would specifically have to each of us. And Lord, we willingly receive it. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, One Chapel Kyle, how are you doing? <laughs> it's so good to be here with you. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm just sorry to say this is, this is the first time I've been at One Chapel Kyle. They've kind of got me busy over at Monterey Oaks doing a, a lot of stuff, but I'm so honored to be here. But, you know, from the minute that I walked in the door this morning, I knew it was One Chapel. I felt like I was with family. I felt like I was home. It, it's kind of like, like this. It's like going to your grandparents' house to visit the cousins that you love that you haven't seen him for a while. That's kind of what it's like going to a different One Chapel campus. And, and it, it's so amazing. It's so awesome. And, and I do want to say, I do believe that each campus is a little bit different. It's got a little bit different flair, a little bit different feel. And, and I believe you guys actually have a reputation 
And, uh, and if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to kind of share wh- what it is, okay? So I believe One Chapel Kyle is the fun, loud cousin that everybody likes to hang out with. That's what I'm talking about. Yes, yes. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Point proven right there. You know, a couple weeks ago, I was sitting down with my, my daughter, who's a sophomore in high school, and we were hanging out at Starbucks, and I was telling her about the Zacchaeus story, and we were talking about the table series. And, uh, and she started telling me stories about a table that is very important in her life right now, and I think it's a table that we all kind of know and can relate to, and that is the high school cafeteria table. Does anybody remember the high school cafeteria table? You know, did did anybody experience a food fight ever? I never got to experience that. I always thought that would be kind of fun. But you know, the one thing I thought about when it came to the high school cafeteria table is is this. I remember there was this one guy that would come into the lunchroom and he'd walk by our table and he he was a bully. He would make fun of somebody at our table, berate us, and he would walk to his table in the corner, in the very corner, and he would sit down in his seat and rule his little kingdom over there in the the end of the, the table, his little bully throne over there in the corner. The next day he'd come down, he'd make fun of somebody at my table, and he'd go sit in his little corner over there. And after about three months of this, you know, a guy has about too much. And so I'm like, i got to do something about this bully. This is not good. And, and, and so here's what I came up with. I noticed that the cafeteria tables, and they, they've not changed in, in decades, okay? It's the table that kind of folds like this, okay? And it has the, the metal that comes out, and there's a round plastic disc that, that is attached to the table you sit on. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. Well, one day I noticed that the color of that disc that you sit on was about the same color as red Play-Doh. And I thought, hmm. That could be good camouflage for something right there. So I went home and I got some Play-Doh. And I snuck down one day to the cafeteria really early before anybody was there. And I went over to the bully throne over in the corner. And I went up to that thing and I took the Play-Doh and I spread that Play-Doh all over where he sits. Went back to my seat, sit there, wait. Everybody's coming in, people are coming. Sure enough, here comes Bully. Down, he makes fun of somebody at our table. And we're all just kind (laughs) of... And he walks over to his throne, and he goes over there, and he sits right down on that Play-Doh. And we're all just giggling and laughing. He gets up, and he walks to go get his food, makes fun of us again, and he's got a rear end just as red as a baboon. And we're just all giggling and loving it. That poor guy must have not had any friends because all day he walked around school, and nobody told him that he was walking around with a red rear end. Hey, we, we feel like we got even. That was our way of doing it. High school cafeteria. You know, as Karis, my daughter, and I were talking, we brought up this kind of funny idea. It's like, you know, high school, you've got the, you got the kind of the popular athletic table, kind of the Zac Efron high school musical table, you know, and then you've got the kind of Napoleon Dynamite, Pedro, <laughs> you know, drinking 1% milk table, and everything in between, okay? And Karis and I were like, which table would Jesus sit at? Where would be his table? And it actually kind of brought up this idea. It's like, well, who gets to sit? If Jesus was in high school, who gets to sit at Jesus' table? Now, here's what's really cool. I think that the story of Zacchaeus actually lets us know who gets to sit at Jesus' table. So here's what we're going to do. I'm, gonna, I'm going to uh, give you four types of people that I believe get to sit at Jesus' table. You can write those in your notes there if you'd like to. Number one, who gets to sit at Jesus' table? Number one, those with a sketchy past. Those 
with a sketchy past. Now, it's cool. This story takes place in Jericho, and I don't know if you know, but earlier on, Jericho has a very sketchy past. That, this was the place of the most amazing supernatural marching band halftime performance of all time. When they march around it, the trumpet sounds and the walls come down because of God's judgment. I mean, it was a sketchy town, sketchy place. Zacchaeus was a sketchy guy. He was not a great guy. He was actually a bad dude. Why is that? Well, number one, he was a tax collector. Okay, and nobody likes a tax collector. But then also, he taxed his own people, his own brothers and sisters, and gave that money to the Romans, so he was also a traitor. And not only was he a tax collector and a traitor, but he took X amount of money off the top and kept it for himself, and he became very wealthy, so he was also a thief. So whenever he was up in the tree, and Jesus said, I'm coming to your house, you can understand why people were critical, because they're like, wait a minute, Jesus? It would have brought Jesus' judgment a little bit into question, I think, because Jesus, don't you understand? This is the guy that took money from my family, so now my, my kids can't eat? What are you doing here? And it brings up a really, really good point. Does the biggest bully, does the worst person, the person that caused you personally the most pain, do they qualify to sit at the table? Well, the answer to the story is very clear that if Jesus calls and they say yes, yes, they do. People with sketchy past can sit at Jesus' table. What about you? What about your past? Is it sketchy? Would you look at kind of the history of your life and kind of where you've been and what you've done and say, man, I don't know. I don't know if I can sit here. It's pretty sketchy. You know, one of the most amazing testimonies that I ever heard was a, was a very good friend of mine. And she had come to a church that I was at years and years ago, and you could tell God was doing so much stuff in her life. And she was learning how to actually sit at the table with Jesus herself and understand that he wanted a relationship with her. And it began this tremendous process of healing. But one of the final things that she had to do was learn how to forgive people that had done her wrong. Because, see, when she was younger, she had a close relative that had done some awful things to her and had abused her. And she finally got to the place where she thought, you know what? If Jesus loves us all so much, I think he can even forgive the sketchy person that I know. Who gets to sit at Jesus' table? Sketchy people get to sit at Jesus' table. There's a scripture, Colossians 3.13 says this, Be quick to forgive an offense. Forgive as quickly and completely as the master forgave you. Why is that important? Because when you sit down at the table, there's going to be a lot of people looking across from you that you might not ever imagine were going to be there. But because Jesus forgives, it's going to be okay, all right? Sketchy people. Number two, who gets to sit at Jesus' table? Number two, those with insurmountable limitations. Those with insurmountable limitations. See, Zacchaeus had a, a limitation. You know what it was? He was short. He was vertically challenged. He was not tall. Does anybody suffer from the same problem? Does anybody, can anybody relate to that? I'm looking. I can't see any hands but I'm sure they're out there because they're not making it up over the top of the, the seats. But by faith, I know you're out there. You're out there. Oh, I, I saw a hand. There we go. There we go. Okay. <laughs> That's a limitation. Okay. One thing I've learned about human beings is we hate limitations. We hate stuff about us. We hate our limits. We want to be able to do all and be all and do all things. And if we see a limit, we try to tear it down. We try to break it. We try to change it as much as we possibly can. And sometimes we even do some of the most unhealthy things and crazy things to try to circumvent 
our limitations. <laughs> One kind of funny story I remember years ago when I was young, younger, um, y- way years ago, it was about that time when you start to realize in your life that, you know, girls aren't so bad after all. What is that, what is that age? About 12, 13, 14, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I can remember there was this girl that I just, was, I just wanted her to notice me. I would have been just happy for her to just look my way and acknowledge the fact that I was there. That was all I was really, really looking for. And I saw this commercial on TV for, for milk. And I don't know if you remember this, but it was this little scrawny kid that was drinking milk. And he was kind of narrating it. And he was like drinking milk. And he was just growing really tall. And all of a sudden, he was just this big, tall, buff dude. And the girl turned around and said, hey. And she noticed him. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to give that a try. That might work. So I, so I started drinking milk as much as I can. I drank milk for breakfast. I drank it for lunch. I drank it for snack. I, drank, I got so tired of milk. And the cool thing was is it kind of happened right before I went through a growth spurt. So I actually did grow, and I got excited. And, you, and, and do you want to know what happened with that girl? She never noticed me. <laughs> That commercial was a lie. That did not work. But boy, I wanted to circumvent my limitations so bad, and I was so crazy. We hate our limitations. You see, Zacchaeus had some limitations, but I want to tell you something. Every human has limitations. Every human has flaws. You have flaws. You have limits. But I want to tell you something. They're actually a good thing. And you know why that is? It's because your flaws... Your limits help you to discover the solution, which is always Jesus. And without those, you would never get to that point. Zacchaeus, he would never have got to the tree unless he was short. His limit was right around the corner from the best thing that ever happened to him. Okay. Now, please understand this. Zacchaeus is not the hero of the story because he was so bold to do it. No. He's not the hero of the story because his tree climbing skills were so good. Oh, my goodness, he overcame. He did it. He was the best climber ever. Go, Zacchaeus. You were seen by Jesus. No. The miracle happened way before the tree. It happened in his heart when he said, you know what? I'm going to humble myself, and I don't care what it takes. I'm just going to go because I want to see the guy. That was the miracle. You see, before you go up, you always, always have to go down. So, so important. Our limits are actually good. What's your limitation? What is it that you think is holding you back, that is keeping you from that next step? Maybe it's you don't think you have enough skill. Maybe you feel like you don't have the right education or enough education. Maybe you feel like it's your background, where you came from. Or maybe it's you feel like, I just never have the right opportunity. I never get the right breaks. What is your limit? You know, I don't know if you guys heard about this, but we're getting ready to plant a fourth campus in Liberty here. Did you hear about this? Oh, my goodness. Man, I, I tell you, it is, it is the most amazing thing that God has done. I wish you could see the last year through, through my eyes what I've seen. It is, it is the most amazing and supernatural thing where at first all you could see were limits. I mean, here you've got a, a group of people that God has brought together a bunch of One Chapel folk that have just truly become a family over the last nine months to a year. You've got this building that we just stumbled across that we bought that's this old 
1930s cool building that kind of needs a lot of work, and it's definitely a fixer-upper. And then you've got me, who I, I have pastored before, I've served in ministry, I even planted a church before, but over the last few years, I just, I have not been. I always wanted to, but I thought my best days were behind me. I didn't think I had another chance to be able to do this again. Nine months ago, if I would have told you I was standing here, I never would have believed that it was true. I felt very limited, and it could look very limited, but you want to know what? God fills the gaps, and the limits are what make the miracles possible. Let me tell you this scripture right here, 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he answered me, my grace is always more than enough for you, and my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I will celebrate my weakness. Guys, we don't want to celebrate our weakness. We don't want weakness, but we should celebrate our weakness. For when I'm weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. I am not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made stronger yet. For my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. Who gets to sit at the table? Those who are limited. Number three, who gets to sit at God's table, Jesus' table? Those who have it all together. Those who have it all together. You see, from a point of view, Zacchaeus looks like he actually had it all together. He was wealthy. He didn't look like a guy that actually needed something. Didn't look like a guy that actually needed help. It's like, whoa, Zacchaeus, why do you need to be with Jesus? But you know what? Sometimes the people that look like they've got it all together are the people that really need Jesus the very most. It's easy to look at somebody that, lo- that, that looks like they have need or we perceive to have need. It's like, oh, we need to help. They need, let me tell you something, everybody, no matter if they don't even look like they need it, they need Jesus. Maybe that's the story of your life. Maybe it's like you've been like, you know, hanging around the table. It's like, you know, I got all together. I don't want to sit down because that would mean people might think I don't quite have it together. Let me tell you something. Don't be fooled. You need to sit down at the table. You need it. Now, there's another story in the Bible that is an interesting parallel to Zacchaeus. It's the story of the rich young ruler. This was a guy that also didn't look like he had any needs. He was rich. In fact, he was a really good guy. He kept all the commandments since he was very, very young and did everything right. But he came to this moment of meeting Jesus just like Zacchaeus did. And, and Jesus basically said, well, you just need to go give away everything, sell to the poor, and then come follow me. Jesus was offering the rich young ruler a chance to sit down with him at the table. And that man that had been so good his whole life said, you know what? I don't think I'm willing to do that. And he walked away. Now, he looked like the guy that probably would have been the one to sit down, but he wasn't. Zacchaeus looked like the bad dude that never would sit down. But guess what? He did. When it comes to that moment with Christ, would you just say yes? Would you just sit down? Because it will be transformation. It will be life change. Who gets to sit at the table? Those that have it all together. Number four, and finally, who gets to sit down at the table with Jesus? Those who are just another face in the crowd. Have you ever been in a really, really big crowd? Maybe it is uh, Austin City Limits. You know, the biggest crowd that I have ever been in in my life was years ago I attended the Indianapolis 500. It is the largest um, single-day spectator sport uh, in the world, and it has been for years. 
This place is so big that in the infield of the racetrack, you can fit every major league baseball field and still have room. They don't keep attendance because there's no way to keep attendance because there's so many people, but it's estimated that for the, f- the few hours of this race and the day of that race, there are um, 400 to 450,000 people at one space at one time. And I want to tell you something. It is, it's amazing to see that many people in one spot. In fact, I have a picture here of me uh, at the Indianapolis 500. Do you, do you see the arrow up in the corner? I am in this picture, folks. Okay, look at the arrow. And if right at the end of the arrow, there's a little kind of grayish white dot right there. That's me. That's me. Along with 450,000 people. I felt like another face in a crowd. Now, I don't know where you're at, but maybe that's the way that you feel with God. I'm just another face in the crowd. Maybe you just feel like one of 7.5 billion people, and if God even really knew you were there, maybe he doesn't really care, or maybe he doesn't have time. One of the things that we know from the story of Zacchaeus and many other stories about Jesus, he was in crowds a lot, but he was always able to point out the one who needed him the most. I believe he was very attentive to the crowd, but I also believe he was laser pinpoint focused on the one who was ready to be his friend that day. And he did it with Zacchaeus. Now, here's the thing that's so cool about this story. Jesus looks up into the tree. Zacchaeus has made the climb. He's looking. And Jesus looks up and he says, Zacchaeus calls him by name. You know me, Lord. Zacchaeus, come down. And here's where the story takes an amazing twist. And I think this is so key. key. He looks at Zacchaeus and says, Zacchaeus, today I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to your table. I'm not telling you just to come, be blessed. We'll see you later. Take care. I see you, Zach. Got it. We're going. No, I'm coming to you. I'm going where you're at. I'm going in your world, at your house, at your table, the place where I can sit down with you and look across from you and know exactly everything, and we can become more than religion. We can become more than just a meeting. We can become friends. And here's the cool thing. Zach did it. Zacchaeus did it. And when they got there, his life was changed forever. Total transformation at the table. He gave four times as much as he had ever stolen away from anybody. That was a rich dude. That was a lot of that was a lot of people. That's a lot of money. Why did he do it? Because he was changed. There is no doubt when you sit down at the table with Christ, you will change. You absolutely will change. It it has to happen. The problem is I think there are so many people that they just get really close. They get, you know what? Religiousness is is enough. I'm going to have a cool table. I like it. Hang around the table. Going to, oh, sit down at the table? That's no, okay. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm a little too sketchy past. I'm a little too limited. Lord, I don't, know if I, could, I don't know if I can do that, Lord. And they move on. Would you just please say yes and sit down? Sit down at the table, and he will change you. I want to tell one final story in closing that I think kind of really brings this into focus for me. About a year ago um, in Austin, we had a homeless couple that started coming to our church. 
And now I serve on the setup team and the teardown team. So I'm there like a lot of the time. And so I got to know these folks pretty good. And in fact, Pastor Ross even told me, he said, hey, Andrew, just make sure that they're, they're taken care of. You know, make sure, kind of keep an eye on them, make sure everything's okay. And so I did. And I want to tell you, it was really hard at first to have any kind of a relationship with these people. And the reason why is because they told so many tall tales they told so many lies, and they were used to telling lies to just get things. It was just so hard to, to have a relationship. Like, there was one week that, that they knew the, the, the codes for the defense of the United States, and if I didn't do something for them, then, I mean, it was like uh, World War III was, I'm serious, and they believe this. And when someone tells you that, you go, okay. I didn't know what to tell them. And then one week, I think they were related to Chuck Norris, which I kind of wanted their autograph when I found that out. But, I mean, it was just, it was just, it was so hard to have a relationship because there was no table of truth to, to build a foundation on. And it was tough. But there was something that changed. There were actually two, two little things that changed in my relationship with them. Number one is there was one day that they invited me to come to their home. Now, this is a homeless couple, so their home was a campsite in the woods somewhere in Austin. I'll be honest, I kind of didn't want to do it because I was a little bit afraid. But I just felt like, you know what, I think I need to do this. So I went with them, and I went back into their, their place, and I sat down with them. And I could tell they began to look at me a little bit differently than they had before. The other thing that happened was on another day. Now, I had, I had taken, I'd get, had, had bought them food many times. The church had, had, we'd got them groceries and, and tried to take care of them as much as we possibly could many times. But there was one day where we did something different. We went out to eat after church and we actually went to a restaurant and we sat down together at a table. And I sat down across from them and they sat down across from me. And I, I started to just tell them goofy stories about my life. I think I even told them the Play-Doh bully story. And they looked at me and they just started laughing. And for a moment, for the first time, I felt like I saw the real people. The lies were gone. There was truth there. And that was the thing that opened a door to talk for real about the Lord. Now, I think that's what God wants for each of us. He wants to sit down at our table, and He wants to be with you. He comes right where you're at. And he looks at you and says, I don't want this religion stuff. I don't want the pretense. I, don't want, I know everything already. I know your sketchy past. I know your limits. I made you. I want you. And all you have to do is say yes. Would you please say yes to sitting down at the table with the Lord? Maybe you've hung around the table. Maybe you've even grabbed a little piece of food from the table and run off. <laughs> Maybe you, you've polished up the table, you know. It's like, hang around. Ah, cool table. No, sit down. Be with the Lord who loves you and wants a relationship with you, okay? Now, we're going to end this service today by taking the Lord's Supper, by taking communion. The bread, the juice represents Jesus' body and blood that was broken on the cross for you so that you can sit at the table with him.
Okay, it's the most beautiful thing, and we, in, we invite you to take this in that understanding. Now, there's no pressure. If you don't feel comfortable taking it, you don't, you don't have to, to do that. But I do want to say this. If maybe you have not truly said yes to him and not sat down, would you take that extra little inch and say yes? And then when you take this, you're going to understand what, it, what it's all about. It's, it's you and him and friendship and relationship and guess what? You've got a great family around you that is, is doing the same thing. And guess what? They're sitting at the table too. So you might, as well, you might as well hop on down. It's a good, good deal. It's the best thing that there is. Okay? All right. So we're going to take this. You can take it. You can take it on your own time. And the worship team is going to sing a little bit. Just make this a moment of you and the Lord. Okay? Let me pray. Thanks for joining us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, you can learn about groups, teams, and more at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages from One Chapel on your favorite podcast player. And of course, you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 9.30 and 11.30. See you next time.